morning. <clears throat> I think we'll this week begin the same way we did last time and begin in prayer. And then as we have multiple texts this morning, we'll, you'll find out in a few minutes where we'll be sitting today most of our day. So the Lord is pleased. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, how gracious and holy Thou art. I thank Thee, Lord, for Thy abundant goodness and Thy abundant grace toward Thy people. I thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art ever faithful. Lord, You, you know our weaknesses. You know our strength. You know our desires. You know our hearts. Lord, You have met every need in Thy Son. We pray this morning that You would be pleased to give us a reality of that as we open up thy holy word this morning, that you would meet us here, that you would meet us in the pages of thy word, and that you would make them effectual to our souls, that you would feed us, Lord, at thy feet, that you would give us a holy desire to know more and to learn more of thy Son and his presence in our life. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. That's my wife this morning, caught her off guard. Asked her why it is she goes to church, and she always looks at me funny and always hedges on her answers. And I looked at her and I said, it's an easy question. Why can't you just answer it? She says, well, because I know how your mind works. And I know you're going to analyze my answer. Uh, no, no, I just want to know. I want to know if I have that kinship with people. Uh, why is it I come? Why is it that I, I desire to... To, to come every Sunday. And, uh, and for me, it boils down to the wilderness that we live in. And this, this, that the, there's a time that the Lord has sanctified and set apart that is an oasis for the children of God to come and hear about Christ. Um, that's why it was so important to Paul to preach Christ because it's so important to us as we are sinners during the week, as we're sinners every day, as as we live in a world that is an abundance of sin, we need to know who's reigning and we need to know who's gone before us. We need to know our shepherd. We need to hear, we need to hear it over and over because as sheep, we doubt. And, and as we live in this world, as I said, it's a great wilderness. We desire to, uh, to know more of Christ and to learn more of him. And, and hopefully that's fulfilled in this hour as the Lord is pleased to to bring us to his word. I'm thankful for my glasses this morning. I preached all last time and I, it was blurry to me and I had them in my pocket the whole time. And I was wondering why, you know, why everything was so blurry, but I never got the thought to look in my pocket. But I have them today, so hopefully it'll help me make out what these words are. This morning we're going to find ourselves in Romans 5. Um, in my readings in the last couple of weeks, the Lord brought me to Romans 5, and, and uh, Romans 5 is just as precious to me as Romans 8 and Romans 7 is, and, and Romans 5 has two motifs going through the entire book of Romans 5, I mean entire chapter. Paul sets forth sin, and he, and he sets forth salvation from sin, and the cause of sin and the reason for sin, and how sin is prevalent in a child of God's life. And, but he never strays away from salvation from sin. And that's so important. John told us in John 16, 8, that the Holy Spirit comes 
and he convinces the world of the elect, he convinces to them, he convinces us first of sin. He must. And that's the one thing I hope you understand and you've lived in your life, that the Holy Spirit's place in our life is to convince us that we're sinners. Then of righteousness, John says. See, he convinces us that we're sinners and then immediately or in his time convinces us of the righteousness of Christ. And that Christ's blood is sufficient to cover those sins. And that we're justified in Christ Jesus by what Christ Jesus has done. And as I said, as we live in this wilderness, it's important. It's important because the Holy Spirit does, on a continual basis, convince us that we're sinners. We don't walk in this life thinking we're immune from sin. We don't look at others, and as people sin in this world, we don't look back as the proud Pharisee did and say, Oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. The Lord convinces us that it's by His grace that we're not allowed to explore the depravity that's in our own hearts. It's by His grace. It's by His keeping. And so as I was led to Romans 5 and I was reading it, and and two things, two words stuck out to me like they have never before. And it's two words much more. And I thought about that because Paul uses that phrase, much more, he uses it five times in this chapter. And we're going to look at each one of those five. But I got to thinking about why, as the Holy Spirit convinces us of sin, he much more convinces us of the righteousness of Christ and our need of Christ. And I thought about that in this day that we live in and the sin that's so prevalent in our society and the sin that's prevalent in our lives And the sin that's prevalent in those that are all around us. And I thought, what, how great is grace that he provides a much more. Much more. Much more Christ is greater than my sin. Much more Christ is greater than anything in this world. Much more Christ is greater than my fears. Much more Christ is greater than anxiety and the things that I worry about. I got to participate in my last child's driving experience this week as he went to get his license. It was a monumental day in his life. Very nervous. As I remember, mine was. I remembered that time. I remember. I had flashbacks of, of how nervous I was. And he'd tell me, yeah, Dad, my palms are all sweaty. I'm thinking about how nervous I am when that instructor gets in there and it's just me and him. And we prayed before he went in there and I thought to myself, the Lord quickened, much more Christ is greater than that fear. Much more Christ is greater than whatever, whoever that instructor is going to be. Much more his grace abounds than our sin and our unbelief and our worry and our anxiety. And that's what I desire to put forth to you today and to look at in Romans 5. We're not going to look at the whole thing. As I said, we're going to pick up on the highlights. And I believe Paul's intention of this particular area in his letter is that much more. The much mores of the grace of Christ Jesus in Romans 5. In 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul says this. He says, who has saved us, speaking of Christ, 
and has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which were given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That grace that we have in Christ Jesus, I want you to understand that much more that Paul refers to five times today is always in reference to what we have in Christ Jesus. The grace that's in Christ Jesus. So as we look at the much mores and we look at what Paul's direction is, you're going to see superabounding grace. You're going to see how much greater Christ is than what Paul is putting forward in our life. And so this morning, before we get to the much mores, I just want to begin in Romans 5. Verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. In your life, I know we got different ages in this room, in your life, one day, it is going to be paramount in your mind, in your understanding, and in your heart to have peace with God. One day. It may have already been for a lot of us, that there was a time that the Holy Spirit said to us, you are the man. You are the one that put him on the cross. Your sins are the reason he died. You continue to sin. And as good as Christ was for you in coming in time, you continue to sin over and over and over. And the Holy Spirit convinces us of that to show us our inability or have any part in Christ's salvation and his quickening that salvation to us on a daily basis. Therefore, being justified by faith, being as the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his work on the cross, because he stood in our place, because he was our substitute, the Lord God the Father looks at us through Christ and says, you are not guilty before me because Jesus Christ, we have peace with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that right there is a much more. We have much more peace than anything in this world can bring us. We can have peace and riches. We can have peace when the Lord sends us an unexpected treasure. We have peace in those things. When we get a, a good a diagnosis from the doctors, we have peace in those things. But those pe that peace in those things is quickly gone as soon as we have our next ailment, as soon as we have our ne next financial hardship, or whatever it is we're tried on, that peace is taken from us because it's run out. How can you have peace in your the health that the doctor told you when now you've got something else wrong with you? You're not going to go back to, oh, well, a month ago I was in good health. It doesn't matter. Now you're facing something. That peace is rattled. But we have peace with God. See, because then those when we, when we get sick and we have those things, that fear of death comes in. And, and when we fear losing our freedoms and we fear losing things like that, we have all this angst comes in and all of this unbelief and all of this fear. And then Christ comes and says, but you have peace with God. You have peace with the almighty creator who has created everything that you see and that you understand in this world. You have peace with him through me. 
much more peace than anything that you could have in this life. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? That's Christ. Also, we have access by faith, his faith, into this grace wherein we stand. Standing means that's how we live. I hope you're standing today. I hope you're standing in Christ Jesus. I hope you're upright in Christ Jesus. I hope he is your righteousness. I hope he is your armor. I hope that he is your mind. I hope that he is your strength. I hope that he is your comforter. That's how we have access into the grace that he has given us by Christ. The faith of Christ to believe it and to apprehend it and to say, yes, this is true, Lord. Your scriptures are true because you, not only because you say they're true, but because you've convinced me that they're true. We can all assent and say, oh, well, the Bible says it, so therefore I must believe it. That's garbage. You don't have that ability. And if you don't believe me, just wait till your next trial. Wait till your next hardship. Wait till your next fear. That goes right out the window. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have faith. We have the faith of Christ to make us stand each day. That's the gloriousness of this chapter. Much more Christ over everything in this life. Every hardship that we ever have, every unbelief, every doubt, every fear. We're going to have anxiety before the day is over. We just do. You know why? Because we'll go back and look at those headlines. We'll go back and look at what's going on in the world. Or some of us who are working will find out something that's on the horizon for tomorrow. Or we'll look out at the next thing that has to be done or something will break down. And I've had a lot of problems lately at the house. Things, appliances going out one after another. As soon as you get one to work, then something else goes out. And there goes anxiety again. My goodness, what is it going to be next? But that's not the faith we're talking about, and that's not the peace with God that we have. We have that in Christ who overcomes all of those. Much more Christ. And we, we stand that way, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and that hope of the glory of God is in His Son, in the face of Jesus Christ, which we talked about last time. So now this morning, now with all that introduction being said, I want to get to the five much mores. Our first one is in verse 9. But we're going to begin in verse 6 and read down so we understand what he's comparing it to. And I want you to understand that. Every one of these much more is a comparison. It's a comparison to what we have in Christ and what, if we don't have Christ, what's there. And I hope the Holy Spirit leads you to that today. <clears throat> so we begin in verse 6 of some very, huh, boy, I tell you about hitting you right between the eyes. It, man doesn't like to come to a verse like this, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So that tells us something, first of all, about grace, and it tells us something about the salvation of Christ, that we were without strength in it, which means we were totally dependent upon His salvation, and it also means that we are ungodly, or were ungodly. Let that sink in. I've been around a lot of religionists in my life. I've been around a lot of people, and this would really grate on them. And Paul's going to talk about them just in the next verse. He's going to talk about those people. And, 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 and it's like there's such a high right. You talk about them being ungodly, it'd be, oh, no, I could never be that way. 
Or the focus is always on, this is who Christ, oh, Christ is my salvation. Well, what did he save you from? Have you ever been brought to see yourself as that sinner, as that publican that stood off and couldn't lift up his head and just says, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner? Are you the one over there enumerating all the things? Well, let me take inventory. I've done this. I've went to church this long. I'm at church every Sunday. I say my prayers. I read my Bible. I'm such a prayer warrior. I do all of these things. For what? Have you ever been convinced that Christ died for you? And if you have, the answer to that isn't what you do for his kingdom. It's what he's done for you. That's what grace is. It humbles, makes you totally dependent upon Christ all the days of your life because he shows you what, we're, what we are capable of. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, a moral man, that's the one we just talked about, that guy who's always pointing out sin in others, who's always sitting over there all pious, and you know you have that feeling, you know you're always going to get that pious answer from them. Paul says, for that man, scarcely nobody's going to die for him. And we would all say the same thing. Line up the Pharisees and line up the whitewashed walls that Jesus called them, and we would stand there and say, we wouldn't die for you. We wouldn't. We're going to be honest. But he said, but peradventure, what about this? What if a good man, a kind man, a one that showed kindness in society, who took care of the poor, who took care, who was always there and was a pillar of society, and you, you knew that person was so benevolent to all the, the downtrodden and all the, would you die for him? That's what Paul said. Now, would you die for him? Some would. Some would. They'd say, you know what? The purpose of that one on life is greater than my purpose. I've been nothing in this life. We've seen that in movies. We've seen it. We've read it in headlines. We've seen things like that where people have given up their life because of the lives of others that were quote-unquote good people. So Paul's putting a comparison again. And then he says, but God. But God commended his love toward us. Now listen to what, how God, God's view of it is. That he commended, he showed, he illustrated his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see that? No merit. We weren't out there living for Christ. We weren't doing anything in his kingdom. We weren't choosing Christ over Satan. We weren't doing any of those things. That's when Christ died for us. As a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What does that tell you about you and I? We were formed in iniquity. And we're going to get to that because that's one of our much mores. But now we come to our first much more. He says much more than, much more than any of that. Being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We know the scriptures tell us that God, is his anger burns every day against the wicked and the unrighteous. And here we have Christ's redemption is much greater, much more than anything we could do, anything we can say, anything we've ever had a part in. It is the much more in redemption. 
the much more his blood is much greater than any of our sin. And as I'm brought in my life many times, you know, it's kind of like a movie theater sometimes. Sometimes I'm just brought to sit and watch the movie theater in my mind of all the things that I've done in my past. Sometimes you see them in your children. Sometimes you see your children doing things and it reminds you of the things you did. Sometimes you see them in other things or whatever and they give you that remembrance. And those are sorrowful days. Those are sorrowful days to remember the way that you walked, the way that you were dead, the way that you walked according to the, the prince of the power of this air. But God. That's what, that's what Paul's message is. That's what the message of Romans 5 is. Much more though. Much more. Let's talk about what Christ did. It is so important to be convinced of sin. If it wasn't, the scriptures wouldn't tell us that. It wouldn't tell us that that's the, the point of the Holy Spirit and that, that all, of your, all of these sinners that we have in the Word of God are convinced of sin. We've seen it with Peter. We've seen it with Paul. We've seen it with David. We've seen it countless, all of them, were convinced that they were sinners. That's a very important thing. But he doesn't leave us there. But we must have it. Because without it, we can't understand how great much more Christ is. Much more His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Much more powerful the blood is than my wicked sin nature. His blood is more powerful than anything in me. That's the first much more. Much more than, Paul said. Being now justified, said not guilty, we can stand before God because of His blood. We shall be saved from the wrath to come through Him, through Christ. And that's the only way. On that great day of judgment, the only way is to be in the righteousness of Christ, to be clothed in His righteousness. There's no other safety. And that's what the parable teaches us of the one who came in without the robe of righteousness. It was cast, hold him, cast him out, get rid of him. There's no place in the kingdom for your own righteousness. There's no place in the presence of God for our filthy rags of righteousness. Strip them, Lord. Strip us of all of our righteousnesses that are filthy in thy sight. And they are. Don't make any mistake about it. Any of your merit, any of that thought that runs into your mind that this is what I do, this is how good I am, it's, it must be stripped from you. It will not be accepted before the Father. It's only the righteousness of His Son that clothes the child of God. And when that is put upon us, there is no filthy righteousness left. It purges us of all of that. That's much more. Much more, His blood washes us, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that salvation, we're saved through Christ. Do you see that this morning? Do you see that first much more? Is it precious to you? Because the next one's just in the next verse. For if, when we were enemies, which He's already established, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son much more 
being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are now reconciled. We're brought, you know, God was never at war with us. God has loved us with an everlasting love. We have always been separated from him through the fall, through our sin. We must be reconciled. That's what that says. For when we're enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, by the work of his son. Much more being reconciled by Christ, we shall be saved by his life. We're saved by Christ's life. Let me read a couple of uh, scriptures to you for um, meant to read them up for the last point but Ephesians 1 says, 7 says in whom, that's Christ again we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace now listen to Hebrews 9, 12 and 14 neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's how powerful that blood is. Now listen to what Paul says in verse 14. How much more? There's those two words again. This is in Hebrews. How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what his blood does. It purges our conscience of dead works to serve the living God. And we serve in the newness of his life. And we serve by his life. You know what that means? Not unto us, Lord. Unto you be all glory. You are my life. You are my righteousness. You are my peace. You are my love. You are my faith. It's not mine. It's your work in me. This is what Christ is to his people. That's what he says. We'll be saved by his life because now we're reconciled to him. Much more. Much more his reconciliation. Not anything we try to do. And if we're all honest today, if we're all honest, there have been those religious times in our life where we've tried to save ourselves where we've tried through obedience, where we've tried to be good little boys and girls, we've tried to do those things that were pleasing to the Lord, as set out by the Ten Commandments, as set out by, by the, the laws and the ordinances. We've all been there. We all tried to do that, but the Holy Ghost must come and convince us that we couldn't. And you know, not only did we offend in one little point, which is enough to damn us for eternal damnation, we offended in many points. That's what the Holy Spirit tells us. You couldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. You gave up. You fell short. That's what, just flipping over page, that's what he tells us in 623, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what, what's paid us for our sin. The wages of sin is death. That's, that's what we have accumulated in ourselves. But now we've been much more, we've been reconciled to God. Not by what we've done, but by what he's done. Isn't that precious to what he's saying these much mores are that are found in this 
do you, do you find your soul now comparing? I hope so. I hope the Holy Spirit is sitting there comparing things in your life to what Christ has done. And he convicts and shows us, yes, that, that's, that's me. That was me. That is me. Oh, Lord, I need you to, to show me thy blood. Apply thy blood to my soul, Lord. Wash me and make my conscience clean before thee. Watch me and make me clean before thee. Scrub my mind of all these wayward thoughts. And that's the second much more. We find, well, I do have the verse to share there. 2 Corinthians 15, 18 and 19, parts of them. 18 says, And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's what we just said. When we were enemies... Christ reconciled us to wit, to understand that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Isn't that beautiful? He's not imputing our trespass, our sin. He's not giving our sins back. He's not saying, hey, your sins now have been taken away. They're laid to your charge. No, they're not. They're not. And the Father, the Holy God, the Father, will always see a perfect slate because of the obedience and righteousness of His Son that we're clothed in. He won't see me and my lack of obedience. He won't see me and my unbelief. He'll see me in the righteousness of His Son. Sees me that way because I'm in Christ now. And then we come to verse 15 for our third much more. Oh, the gift of grace is so much more. So now he's went off and he started talking about how sin entered into the world. And we certainly know our Bible, I hope. We know what happened in the garden. And we know that Adam was our representative. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. And that's what the scriptures tell us. We're all dead in Adam. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. Do you understand your standing in Adam? That Adam was put in a perfect Eden. He was put in a perfect garden. And as our representative head, because the scriptures tell us he was our representative head, that means if any of us were in that garden, we would have done the same thing. And the religious man comes up to us and says, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I could easily see that that was being duped. No. We fall to Satan's allurements and things on a daily basis. But that representative man, Adam, was put in that garden, and he was told to keep that garden, and he was told not to sin. The only thing he couldn't do, and that was our was eat of that tree. And he was our representative head. That's so important. He was put in that covenant. A covenant you and I will never be in. We're in the, under the covenant of grace. He wasn't. He was in the covenant of works. You do this and live, Adam. You do this and live. And you're going to represent all of man. Adam's good with that. And everything was fine until sin entered into the world by his transgression. 
So we're told here in this, not so also, okay. Through the offense of one, many be dead. And that means we, as our daddy Adam died, we all died with him. That means we have to be given life. This is how much more and how much greater Christ is. Christ says, I will take my sheep out of that line, out of the line of death that they all fell in Adam, I will take them and I will adopt them. And they will be my father's children. They will be my brothers and sisters. And that's all by Christ. And that's what he did on the cross. And that's what he did from the foundation of the world. That's what Christ is. He's so much more greater than that fall. And I could sit up here for hours and I could tell you how bad that fall was. I could. I could paint you a nasty picture. I could tell you how our communion was lost. I could tell you how everything that we ever had, that the image of Christ there, or God that we could talk to, is gone. Everything is lost and gone. The righteousness he had is gone and lost. The uprightness that he had was gone and lost. Everything we had was gone and lost from that fall. You cannot underestimate the fall and how far we fell. You can't. You can't, you can't talk about it in an ugly sense enough. The desperate situation that we've all that all of mankind was plunged into under God's ordained plan of salvation. There must be salvation for the people that I will have eternal happiness with. And that salvation is in Christ. Much more. Much more greater than this fall. Much more abounding grace. The gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto me. And if you don't think that's bad, you just look over here at verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. Death now is over every man. What did Christ give us? Life. Christ took the sting of death away. He took the penalty of death away. He stood in our place and he took that for us. Much more, Christ is greater than that fall. I have at times been, been, been plunged into that. I've read some very deep things about the fall and I've got caught up into reading those things. And huh, I mean, sometimes you get done reading about what we've lost and everything. You get so despairing. Say, Lord, how can this be restored? He tells us. He convinces us that it's restored in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we go to verse 17. Because you think, well, maybe cut that short. Well, he continues here a little bit much more, but he uses a couple other words. He says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, and that's what we were just told, death reigned, much more they which receive the abundance of grace 
and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. That's why we read 12. Death passed upon all men, for all men now have sinned. And much more, this passage tells us today, much more the gift of grace and the gift of his righteousness causes the child of God to reign. To reign as kings and priests. To reign as our King of Kings does. As our Lord of Lords does. We are reigning. I know we don't feel that at times, but it doesn't make it any less true. We reign by the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Titus 3, 7, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. By His grace. We're heirs together with Christ. That's what this passage is telling us. That's what 17 says. Much more we've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's a gift, which means it's not spun in anything that we do. Hold your finger here. The one place we'll go today is over to 2 Timothy. So if you'll go over there with me to 2 Timothy chapter um, 2. And we're going to begin in verse 11. Much more, this reign of grace. Look at this. Um, 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 11. It is a faithful saying, Paul said. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That's what we just were saying. Much more, we died with him when he died. He died so that you and I can live. He died so that you and I can reign with him today. He died. He didn't die for his own sins. He died for ours. He died for us and stood in our place and absorbed the wrath that we, that was intended for our sin. He did that. Much greater. That's why Christ is much greater than Adam. Yes, we all can trace our lineage back to Adam, but that don't mean anything. You hope and pray that you could trace your lineage today to Christ because of the seed of Christ in you. That's how we trace ourselves to Christ. Has he saved me? Has he taken me from this fallen mass of men? Has he elected me before the foundation of the world? It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we, also, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. You see that? We do suffer, but we will reign. Much more Christ. This whole passage is the much more of Christ. These three verses I'm reading. Much more we shall live over death. Much more we shall reign over suffering. I think it's a safe assumption to make in this room that everyone in here has suffered to some extent. Not equally, I, I certainly understand that, but there's been suffering in your life of something. Christ is greater than that suffering. I hope he's proved that to you. I hope he's brought you through that suffering and showed salvation in him, peace in him, comfort in him. And that he's done it all. We shall reign with him. 
But then he puts this in there. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You say, well, wait a minute. That doesn't sound... Uh, isn't he going to do something if we deny it? Well, no, he told us in Matthew that if you deny the Father, he will deny you also. If you deny the Son, he will deny you also. See, that's the thing. If you're saved by grace, you won't deny him because you're eternally kept in Christ Jesus. But, you know, we have to have, Paul has to put these verses in here to tell us that it isn't universal salvation. And we, hear, we still hear that today. Christ died for everyone. No, he didn't. There, there will be millions that deny him. Christ didn't die for them. In fact, he tells us he will deny them also. But then that verse 13 comes. Because I, I fit that first bill with that first. If we believe not, how many times in the trials and the sufferings have we believed not? If you're like me, as soon as the trial comes, I'm already working on something in my mind to get through it or a, an answer to it or what I can do. Or That's unbelief. Unbelief that my Lord sent that trial for my good. That he has made a way in his son, in the provision he's made in his son, to carry me through that trial and to provide for my soul in that trial. That's what the scriptures tell us. That's what Romans 8, 28 tells us. It's for our good. But we don't believe it. And when we walk out this door today, we're not going to believe everything that we've heard about him being much more. We're still, as we, as we battle in this life, and as I said, this is a wilderness. We're going to get in this wilderness again. We're going to need the water. Oh, may the Holy Spirit feed us. May he bring us to his word every day. May he speak and quicken the truth to us. Christ is much more. But if we believe not yet, he abides faithful. You know why? He cannot deny himself. And if we be in him, he cannot deny us because we're in him. He cannot deny himself. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. There's a big, there's a great gulf fix between believing not and denying him. Denying him is a conscience seared with a hot iron. Denying him is the one who is given over to the world. Denying him is the one given over to self-righteousness. But in Christ Jesus, the humbling Christ does in the soul, he shows us that there are many times we don't believe. But that's okay. I mean, it's not okay. It's still sin. But he's faithful. That's how it's okay. He's not casting us off for our unbelief. He died for that sin. And he shows us, he convinces us, yes, that is sin, but I've died for you. I've cleansed you from all unrighteousness. My blood has covered that sin. That's how great, we go back to our text now, that's how great this, this, these words in 17 is. Um, we reign with him. Much more we reign. We're not under the reign of sin we're under the reign of Christ. Christ is my king. Christ is my life. I pray that each one of us can say that as we go from this place today. As we, as we hear these words now, not, not even when we go from this place, now in these seats. The Holy Spirit has said to, to you, Christ reigns in me. 
He's so much more. So much more than the fall. He's so much more than sin. He's so much more than anything this world offers. And then our last one, which is probably the most, the one we know the most and quote the most is in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that where the offense might abound and that law is how the Lord uses the law to show us that we're sinners. But where sin abounded, where he showed us sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's the message today. Grace in Christ Jesus much more abounds. Today, when you when you drive from this place and you're hearing something on the radio or maybe you go home and you see something very bad that's going to happen in society. And I, I don't use happen as a fateful thing because we know that how wicked this world is. And it seems like sin abounds in it. But he's greater. That's what these scriptures tell Grace, the grace in Christ Jesus does much more abound but only abounds in the children of God. And, and that's okay. That's good. Because that's, that's what we need. That's why I go back to what I asked my wife this morning. Why is it we go to church? What is it you come out with? I feel like the words of Christ. What did you come out to see? What is, what is the purpose of your life? What is the purpose of coming here? Is it just to fall in place and it's something I do on Sundays? But is Christ much more? My soul desires to hear how he's much more. We sing that song sometimes, take the name of Jesus with you. Oh, I desire to do that. I really do. I want to take it to the, the workplace. I want to take it to the home. I want to take it wherever I go. As good as that sounds, sin abounds in us. But here's the good news. Grace in Christ Jesus, that's much more about. I pray today that the much mores have uh, fueled your hope and your trust in the Lord and that the Lord uses those words today and he quickens them to you throughout the day, throughout the week, and then we're in this wilderness as he gives us the grace to live and to stand, to know that he truly is much more. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy power and thy clarity. And Lord, come to our souls. Reveal to us, Lord, that you are much more. Much more than our sin. Much more than this world. Much more than the wicked one who attacks. Much more than all of our unbelief. Show us, Lord, what you have done. What you, in your faithful work on the cross, and by coming out of the grave, and by ascending up into heaven this day, as you reign for us, show us that we reign in you. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.